Welcome to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast, the podcast that shows you how to build a world-class service business from the dirt up. And now your host, Mark Stoner. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast. I am your host, Mark Stoner, and here for another week of As the Business World Turns. Uh, I... um, you know, gosh, I hate to keep saying it's been a tough week, but gosh, it's been a tough week. Um, I, you know, I, I just, I don't want it to keep being tough. I want to come to you with uh, all kinds of solid stuff of positivity and and be a blessing in your life. Um, but if I was just always saying that, I wouldn't be honest and I wouldn't be telling you what I have to deal with. And a friend of mine, Alan Rush, have something to me the other day. He goes, you know, I've noticed that your podcast is kind of changing from, you know, it was mostly a lot of business lessons. At first, I was kind of going through my book and using a lot of the chapters as podcast episodes. And now it's just like a day in the life of Mark Stoner. And this is what it is like to be me. And I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing. I sure do get a lot of messages about my, um, about the podcast. And last week, I got some really nice compliments about addressing some of those issues with racism and some of those uh, things that are on everybody's you know plate right now. And for, for some people, obviously, it's on their plate all the time. And that's something that we need to learn to address and be very aware of. So thank you for all those compliments and um, and feedback, really. I I need the feedback to know if I'm hitting on good points or, you know, I'm losing interest or if I've got a, I'm, I'm hitting on something that people can, can deal with. So this week was some hard decision weeks for me and I haven't totally made the decisions, but I'm, I'm in the middle of it. So I decided to make this podcast about how do I make tough decisions in my business um, and how I would kind of advise others to make tough decisions in their business. Um, I find it easier to make decisions in business if I kind of have a game plan of what I, you know, what I want to happen. So the first thing I think is to be clear about the outcome that you want to have happen when you make this hard decision. And let's just take employee issues for one. If you're going to make a decision to, you know, fire somebody, uh, that's one decision. If you want to make a decision to reprimand them, you need to have a clear outcome of what you expect to happen after you've made this decision, especially in business. Um, that's 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 probably the main thing is to make sure you're clear on the outcome you want. Now. I know everybody has to make hard decisions at times, and it seems like the larger my business becomes, the more employees I have, the more these decisions I have to make. Now, what used to be maybe a hard decision for me is easier now because I've had to make them over and over. And one of the best things you can have in in your company to help you with decisions are clear policies. Once you write clear policies and everybody signs them and agrees to them now it's not so hard for you to like if you don't have clear policies then it's more about how you feel about something 
or that you've gotten tired of something or, you know, I say it a lot, death by a thousand paper cuts. You've got, you've had this thing happen over and over and finally you're sick of it. Where if you have a policy that states what the behavior is that you will not accept or that you, that will get people fired, all you really have to do is refer to the policy and let the policy work. Now that's, you can't have policies on everything, but you know, hard decisions suck. I hate them. I hate the hard decisions, especially when it comes to people's livelihoods, people I care about that just aren't working in the company very well anymore, people that may be poisonous, people that may have stayed past their their time. Uh, The company may have moved on. Maybe we're different. And there's times that that really does happen. People say, hey, you know, we're not the same company you were when I was hired. And, you know, that's true. And you probably wouldn't want to work for that company for 10 years or however long you've been with me and it never changed. So in change, you know, sometimes you lose people. Sometimes you, you know, you upset people and, you know, there's hard decisions to make. But I always want a clear outcome. And I think the one thing that I'm going to say several things, I keep saying one thing, but don't make them when you're emotional. Now, today I had a morning meeting. I was really upset about several things. I would never make decisions when I'm emotional or mad or sad. I'm not I'm not going to make a decision. I may talk and I may tell people and they may know that I have, you know, I have emotions. I'm not a robot. If you make me mad, you're really going to know it. If you make me sad, you're going to know that too. But you're going to, I'm going to tell you about it, but no decisions will be made when I'm in an emotional state. I will have to come out of the emotional state and think about it and let that all calm down. And I I take a lot of notes, especially when I'm emotional. I make a lot of notes about what I want to talk about so I don't forget because sometimes my brain will just start firing off what I need to say. And to think I'm going to remember that later is not realistic. And so I make notes while I'm mad, while I got to make a decision or while I'm sad, I make notes about what I want to say and do. So I'm more together when I do have the conversation, but don't do it when you're emotional. And then the other thing, another thing, not the other thing, another thing is to get the other side of the story. I can't tell you how many times I've been wrong or my mind changed when I heard the other side of the, the story from either the person I thought I was upset with, or, you know, when I came to the person, I understood from their side why something happened. So before you get mad, before you make big decisions, make sure you talk to the person and get the other side and get all the sides you can get before you have to make a big, hard decision. You know, talk to as many people as you can to get counsel. And then that's that's wisdom, you know, making decisions on I, I, I don't ever want to make the wrong decision. Of course, we have to. But I want to get as many sides as I can to make the best informed decision I can. Now, you're never going to have all the information by the time you have to make a decision. But doing something beats doing nothing almost every time. Doing nothing is weak leadership. Doing nothing is just pushing it back to a time when you're going to make it worse. You're going to make it grow. 
almost all problems in your business were small at one point until you didn't act on it and let it grow. And I'm facing a little bit of that right now with a decision in my company that has grown on me over time. And that is really, you know, sometimes very, very difficult to to do. And, and you basically have to blame yourself as the owner. You know, what did you do about it? What did you what did you let fester or whatever? So again, you know, doing something beats doing nothing. Don't be the person that does nothing. And I've been all of that. I've been the guy who made fast decisions. I make fast decisions when it's really not related to people, when it's related to business, when it's related to make a move on something. I'm good. I'm fast. I'd make very fast decisions. When it comes to people's lives, especially the longer they've been with me, the much harder it is to make hard decisions. And a lot of times I have to make it, it's for the betterment of them. I have to make sure it's not me that's wrong. And, and you know, clearly, I'm, you know, not perfect, but I mean, close. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's, I got to make sure that I've got my right decision-making hat on. Another point, usually I'm making the decision to protect someone in my cup, to protect my good people. I say that a lot. My job is to protect my good people. If I have someone in there that is disturbing the, you know, the, the, the good, if they're not really holding up our core values, if they are not, and really, if you can define your core values and hire and fire based on core values, that's kind of like a policy. Like, you know, if you develop core values, and, and I've got this problem right now. One of my problems is, you know, being good to other people, basically honor others with excellence is the actual core value, integrity, honesty. 2.9013 is one of our policies, uh, one of our core values too, which is 2.9 positive interactions to one negative. Well, I've got somebody in my company that definitely is not living by that policy. And, and as a company, we're starting to fail on that. We're starting to chomp on each other at times. But a lot of good people, a lot of good people working hard. But I've got to, again, the reason you make a hard decision is to protect either good people it's to protect me. It's to protect my company. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's usually I have to do something to protect people. And if you take, if you think of it, these hard decisions as that, as you're protecting somebody instead of hurting someone else, it's, it's for me easier to make those decisions, those hard decisions. Um, you know, I think, you know, I, I, I want to also give enough chances. I, I'd rather be thought of and appreciated that I did make sure I gave somebody enough chances because there are seasons in people's lives that they go through and it, they can have a rough time and you might lose somebody, you might fire somebody or make a decision on somebody that it was just a bad season in their life that you can see another end. Now, some people are just a train wreck. And they, their whole life is a season of turmoil. You can't keep them in your company. They, they bring turmoil wherever they are. They're just one sad story after another. And I've never been, you can't rescue them. They, they, they're, 
they're doing it to themselves overall. When you see this pattern, it's them. Now, if they've had a pattern of great and then they go through a pattern of bad, yeah, you've got to weigh that decision. Is it a season in their life? Is it a temporary thing that they're failing? Can I be supportive? Can I help them? Can I sometimes give them money? Can I sometimes give them counsel? Can I sometimes tell them the hard thing that they need to know? Uh, that is, that's good leadership. And, and that's what's required of you sometimes. So I want to give enough chances, but not too many. That's a hard line. Where is too many chances? And I struggle with that. But I'm the faster you get at some of those decision making, the better you are as a leader and people will respect you and follow you. When you don't make decisions, it's very, very hard for people to follow you. And if you tell somebody you're going to do something but don't do it, you're just sticking a knife right in their back because they depended on you to hold up your word and you have to hold up your word. You know, I policies again help me with this, especially our tenant our attendance policy that has it's it has very clear parameters, very clear warning signals, very clear um, benchmarks that you may hit. Very clear rewards if you are don't have attendance problem, you get an extra extra days of vacation. So it's it's the most fair policy I've ever seen because there's a real reward on one end and there's real razor wire on the other. And I've talked about my attendance policy several times, but that also keeps me out of having to make big decisions because the policy just makes it for me and it has nothing to do with if I like you or not or if I'm if I'm compassionate enough. I mean, I have had some guys come up and be mad because they got fired because they were late because of a known traffic jam that everybody knew about, but they got fired. It wasn't the last traffic jam that got you fired. It was the other thing that got you the 23 points throughout that built up that got you fired. This was just the nail in the coffin that you were going to hit anyway. So... You know, policies really, really help me with, you know, these hard decisions. And also the bigger your company gets, the more these decisions, most decisions get made at lower levels that you don't ever have to deal with. One thing that was happening that happens to me from time to time is that you don't really, I'm not involved with a lot of those things. So I can, uh, I can think that everything's going right, but it actually isn't. Because it doesn't boil up to me and it's it's really being handled by other managers and other people and they don't tell me about it. So therefore, I have this false uh, you know, thought that my business is doing better than it is. And this week, you know, I kind of drilled down into some of that because, you know, some of I've got some internal like process problems of not everybody doing everything they're supposed to be doing. And therefore, it causes a a problem all the way down, you know, from the sales department, from the office department to the sales department, all the way down to the install crew, and then back up the chain again to the customer and the payment and everything. So, so one of the most important things on before I make decisions is make sure I've had enough conversations and make sure I like today in my morning meeting I said, guys, um, if I'm going to fix this. You, it's like going to the doctor and saying, doctor, I got a headache, but actually your leg is broken, but you don't tell them. You know, I, I, you've got to tell the doctor if you want something to get better, they've got to tell me. Now, the, the worst thing they could ever say to me is, well, I can tell you, but nothing's going to change. 
that's a hard that's a hard thing for somebody to say but sometimes there's truth in it but sometimes it takes a while to act you can't just have one complaint and then fire people you can't have one complaint and then you reprimand somebody or make a change of the pay structure or anything like that sometimes yeah you're right you just because you have this thought or this problem doesn't mean the whole company will change on a dime it has to be enough of a problem for me to change a process in a process that i know works very well is it perfect no but if you follow the process, it does work. It works extremely well. Another thing is making decisions um, that are, if you've noticed, probably the, a lot of the big decisions you can look back on your life and you say, thank God, goodness I did that because that was one of the best decisions I ever made. And maybe it was a big jump. Maybe it was a very scary move. Maybe it was a launch into this business that you might be in. Maybe it was stopping doing something else. Like, you know, I'm sure everybody has girlfriends or boyfriends that you're like, wow, thank goodness I canceled that before it grew into what what it might be now. Or thank goodness I canceled that situation so that I could find the situation I'm in now. Thank goodness I stopped working that job so I could find another job. Now, of course, you always worry that is this decision the right one and could I be making a mistake? And sometimes you do. Sometimes you make giant mistakes. I have a couple at my house right now, good friends of mine that, in fact, he was on season one of Shark Tank and he, he has a product that he you know did really well with. And then he tried to sell the company. Uh, he did sell the company and then COVID hit and COVID hit. And the guy he sold the company to couldn't make the payments because what he's, how he sold the product was to schools and there was no schools. The guy couldn't make his payment. And next thing you know, my, my friend gets his business back that he didn't want. He thought he was out of, he's moving on to other things. Well, then he already knew of another guy he was talking to that would, he said, I'm, you know, I wish you hadn't sold that business that you had because if you ever I, I would have bought it for a lot more money well sure enough came on the market instantly he talks to this company they're a publicly traded company they're a big company and he's trying to make a big decision and they're going to pay quite a bit of money between some money and some stock that looked like a really really good deal for him I saw the paperwork, I saw the letters of intent and everything, and it looked good, but it wasn't. It was a, it was a scam to rip him off, and he's the reason he's down here is because he's kind of lost. He's had two failures on two big things that he he should have won on. He should have he should have been winning. He's a great guy. He's super smart. Him and his wife are just amazing people. But they've had their teeth kicked in and they're feeling a little lost. So they came down here. I reviewed the paperwork. I went through, you know, uh, some of the financial stuff they wanted me to look at. And, and basically they were being ripped off. They were being. And so they're talking to an attorney tomorrow to try to get this business cleared up. And, you know, I may help them with business down the road. But sometimes these big decisions don't pay off. It doesn't mean, but you still have to make decisions. Now he did say that now his red flag goes up so much more often than it should. Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes it isn't when you've been burned enough, you know, you kind of, you kind of look at things differently, but I still believe in making decisions 
is usually for the best. And so, you know, you should look back on your own life. Most of the time, the decisions you make, are you a pretty good decision maker? Or when you look back on it, you go, man, I, I just make bad decisions left and right. You may need a mentor to talk things through if you feel like you make bad decisions in general with people, business, life. You may need somebody to bounce ideas off of that can talk to you cleanly and clearly with your best interest, but not your friend. Friends don't really tell you the hard stuff. Mentors do. Friends are just worried. They just want to be your friend, so they won't tell you the hard thing. A friend of mine the other day put a thing out on Facebook, and, he, and a lot of people say, you know, and he's a really good person. I've actually talked about him before, William Hayden, and he said, hey, some of you guys say I should be in politics. I should run for office. How many of you think I should run for office? Well, what do you think said on his Facebook page? Everybody says, yeah, 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 I'll vote for you. I'll vote for you. Well, me, I mean, I'm his friend, but I'm not going to just say that. I'm going to say, William, of course, everybody's going to say they'd vote for you on your page. I would just ask you a few questions. If you're serious, I would say, you know, one, what what position are you going to run for in politics? Two, why you? What gives you the right? What what makes you an expert? Why would I want to vote for you? Uh, two, what are you going to change in the current system that you think you can affect some change on? And why do you think you can do it? Just being a good guy jumping into politics has nothing to do with your outcome and what you're going to get done. So, And then I put at the bottom of my response, you know, maybe I'm taking this too literally. Maybe you're just having fun with it. But that's the difference between a mentor and a friend. A friend is not going to question you. So when you're making good, hard decisions, maybe it's a friend, but maybe it's a mentor to give you a different aspect. And that's what my friend came down here, drove down from Indiana, just in the middle of the day, he sent me a text. He goes, dude, I, I need to talk to you. I've had a really bad situation happen. Can I come down and talk to you? And I said, absolutely. Instantly. Yeah, come down. And he, they stay with me. And I wasn't sure if I helped them a lot. I reviewed everything. I told them what I thought. And, you know, today they, they went back and, and they were very thankful. They said it was so helpful to get away, get somebody to talk to, get somebody's different eyes on our problem and just give us some hope, you know, because I they came to Nashville and I, I showed them a lot. We, me and my daughter showed them a lot of different things to, you know, Nashville is a very entrepreneurial slash dreaming type city. So we had a lunch meeting at a, a brewery and, um, you know, there's another girl there that uh, is a friend of my daughter's and she's very entrepreneurial, has Airbnbs and does all kinds. She's a real estate agent and has all kinds of different little services she provides to make money. Just like my daughter. Um, I do have to brag on my daughter for a second. She, she does photography too. And there's a new girl out called Kat uh, Higgins on she's if you go to apple music or whatever uh my daughter did all the photography for that album cover and uh cat uh, actually got a song on kenny chesney's new album called knowing you and it was a song about uh this girl's divorce from her husband but the song kenny sings it male version of it but it's very it's almost like a positive view a positive song about knowing somebody, even though it went to hell and it's over. But the the good part about knowing that person 
And it's a really touching song. In fact, the girl, when she was so excited that Kenny Chesney cut it, she came over to my daughter's apartment and listened to the cut when Kenny sang it and sat there and cried in the floor because it was about her divorce and then Kenny Chesney singing her song about her divorce. So can you imagine how wild that is? But take a listen to it if you like country music. This girl is really good. She's from Canada and I'm proud of my daughter for taking the, the photography for her. But um, that's my, you know, that's my main take on, um, you know, on decision making and making hard decisions. And, and I hope this is helpful. Uh, these are the, some of the processes that I go through. Be clear on what you want. Um, make sure don't make it under emotional stress. Uh, make sure you get all sides of, a, of an issue. Uh, doing something beats doing nothing. Uh, you, uh, you're making the decision to protect, normally to, to protect somebody, protect yourself, protect your employees, protect your company, give enough chances, but not too many. And, you know, the main thing are policies really, really help. They help me anyway. All right, guys, stand by for Mikey Minutes. Welcome back to Mikey Minutes with my good friend Mike Baird and roofing contracting expert. Mike, this week I wanted to talk to you about how you get insurance work. And I know that we we touched on that on your interview a couple weeks ago, but you um a lot of people in my industry don't know that much about getting insurance work. We we submit claims sometimes because of chimney fires, lightning strikes, tree strikes, but we don't really know how to cultivate necessarily those relationships and how to build on that type of work. So can I know you do a lot of it. So can you talk about just your thoughts on getting and maintaining insurance work? You've got to have someone uh, like a marketing person. I've got a lady that works for me, beautiful, smart. I mean, the best to talk to. She's a good listener. And I don't know anyone that doesn't like her. When you find those people, they're rare. Uh, she will actually, what I call, crash the gate. And what I mean by that, when you go to an insurance uh, agent's office, uh, she, you've got to go through a gatekeeper. And that's the person at the desk. They're, either, they're trying to block all of this. But every once in a while, it's like, hey, you get to know you have a you fulfill a need that they need they want to help their customers so when there is a problem like we're going to say your business there's a chimney fire or they have a chimney issue you want them to say hey call this company right and let them go out to see if it's one an insurance claim or two it's not but at least you know it gives them a peace of mind and somebody they can refer and the people feel so much better that hey my insurance agent referred this guy right there's a reason for it when she's crashing the gate, does she have a person in mind that she wants to talk to, or is she just trying to get through to a certain type of person? She's usually going to meet the the. I'm trying to think of the um, what's her sister's job. Uh, like you mean, like the receptionist? The receptionist. Mm -hmm. So she's going to meet the receptionist first. Usually, mm -hmm. she'll call and say, "Hey, is it okay if I come by and set up an appointment?" Mm -hmm. So you don't just barge in on somebody. 
But uh, then she's looking to meet the adjuster? The agent. Oh, the agent. The agent. The agent's the key. It goes to the agent before the adjuster. Oh, okay. The so agent. you're just trying to meet insurance agents. Yes, and build a rapport or relationship with them. And so what she'll do, like a, I call it the gatekeeper, she'll... She may look at the photo on the desk and ask about their grandkids and all that. And when she's done, she's going to make notes and she's going to find out what they like. So they'll bring little snacks or something like that. Mm -hmm. And she tries to keep this up like once a month or something in that uh, area. So they'll, they'll feel safe about us and you've got to build that trust. If you go out to every job and go, this is an insurance claim. Well, you're no better than the guys knocking on the door Mm -hmm. because a lot of the things that we see, uh, aren't insurance claims. Well, that's a big deal for you, I know, because you go out on a job and these insurance agents and adjusters trust you not to be selling something they don't need. Correct. Uh, because after you go to a few and they don't have a problem or, hey, I took care of it, they're going to they, they're gonna call back that agent and say, hey, thank you so much for sending him out. It was a $50 deal. I'm glad I didn't make a claim. You saved the agent money. Uh, you save the customer a lot of money and headache. And then when there is actual damage, hey, this is no problem. We're going to follow a claim. You've built trust. Built trust. And so when your company puts it through as a claim, it's less likely to be questioned. Oh, absolutely. And the agents know that. And if there's a problem with an adjuster, most of the time they're going to go on my side versus you know some other guy because I'm the one that's telling the truth. I think on an, on another topic on insurance, you know, I believe you use the Xactimate program. And in the chimney business, we, we're not using that. We're starting to use it. But I think our language is is different than what the insurance agent and the adjuster wants to hear. And I think one of your advantages, too, is you talk you talk in their terms. So they're more likely to just push it through. Uh, yeah, to a certain degree. Uh Xactimate, it's, you know, an adjuster is exactly that adjuster. Uh, just because, you know, they may have a chase cover, it's $330. Well, yours are $460. Mm-hmm. We'll just throw that example. It's, that's why it's called an adjuster because <laughs> they, they don't know about it. They're just, they're going by a computer. They see a word on the computer. Hey, that's what it is. You have to give them the details. And you have to exploit that system. And what I mean by that, you have to put in every little thing so it'll come up. So when they, let's just talk about that, for example, their number comes up a lot lower than you. And, and I think everybody that's done any insurance work, you get a call from a adjuster and say, hey, you're too high here. You're too high there. I need to, can you do it for X amount of money? How do you deal with that? Uh, I usually don't. I'm like, this is the price and that's what it is. I mean, if I use the same system like you do. If you use that, you're going to come out close. Yeah, we're going to come out close, and the pricing is right on some things. Some things painting is terrible, and that and the adjusters. A lot of chimney work is terrible. The 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 numbers they have in there is so like eighty five dollars for a chimney cap. I can't even buy it for that sometimes. No, but what the problem is, uh, Xactimate, they're supposed to call the contractors in that area and get price updates, so it keeps keeps Mm -hmm. it updated. We've had it for years. I've never been called. I've never been called. No, exactly. So sometimes <laughs> it's like, hey. <laughs> so that's that's always a problem. But you, there are certain ways of doing it. You have to you. They'll make it work on certain things. I usually don't have a problem with your stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm like, just give me the price. I'm gonna handle it, and they'll put it down as a bid item. So back to the the first topic, you talk about building relationships. 
I know these these guys trust you, and you're as you're trying to build new relationships. Are there certain insurance companies you have your person go really try to break you know open up that? And certain companies you're like ah don't don't mess with these guys. Yeah. Uh, yes, <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to name names, but there's definitely ones you're going after. Well, oh yeah, I'm I'm going after the I'm going after the people that are going to take care of the customer or give them what I consider the benefit of a doubt. They'll put themselves the customers first. Well, name some of the good companies. Nobody uh, minds being named. No, as a good that's company. fine. Travelers, Erie, State Farm, um, USAA, Chubb. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of really good insurance companies, and you do, to a certain degree, get what you pay for. Uh, you get some discount companies. They're going to try to cut everything in the world. Mm-hmm. And since this is a public forum, all states sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, so the, there's companies out there, and when you say they're good, they're they're really being fair to the customer, right? They're being fair, and I don't mean good like they're pushover. They're going to pay for everything because they're not supposed to. That's your job to see what they're supposed to pay for. And I, like I said, I like to act as a buffer. Now, sometimes they pay for a, a lot more than they should. I, I'm trying to say that as They correctly. find more that... They, they find more damage, mm-hmm. and a lot of that, un- unfortunately, is a relationship Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, I've seen them where, you know, this is what's damaged and because it's me and they know I'm not trying to con somebody or try to steal from them or give them a headache, they'll give the customer the benefit of a doubt on other things and just go ahead and take care of it. Do you ever have to deal with engineers? We have to deal with engineers when we claim certain things an engineer is going to come out and we have to talk to the engineer. The engineer almost is there to dis- disprove what we found. Uh, the engineer is usually on the side of who pays them. Right. Uh, I have a couple of engineers that I really trust and like, but when you get some of these firms, I've had engineers go out on a hailstorm, and the guy's shaking to death on a roof that basically I would get my daughter on and let her walk it <laughs> in like a three twelve pitch, and the guy's shaking like a leaf. I'm like, so what's your background on this? Because you don't climb roofs very well. Well, I've got binoculars in this photo, and I'm like, well, great. That's really no damage whatsoever. Right. Um, and I've had other adjusters who uh, went to a house one time in Franklin, destroyed by hail. The adjuster gets up there and goes, engineer. Hi. Yeah, no, with the, an oh, adjuster and an engineer. Gotcha. And they're like, well, this this isn't hail. You know, this is, uh, I'm like, well, what was it? Asteroids that fell and hit this? <laughs> I said, like, well, do we have a big meteor shower and it just happened to hit this house? And they argued and argued. And then I got mad. I'm like, you guys do not know what you're doing. I could get a degree. Or actually, I think I said my dog could get a degree. And then fortunately for the customer, she came out, well, you paid for my cars. And she gave them the bill where she paid for the cars with all the hell damage. Nice. Then it became a pissing contest. And, you know, I've got a good stream. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Good stuff. Thank you so much, Mike. All right, guys, I'm going to finish up with a dumb is real. I haven't done that for a while, and it happened to me today. I have been calling uh, my irrigation company that, uh, you know, I've got this lawn service and irrigation so your lawn doesn't burn up in the summer. And I've been a longtime customer over three years, pay my bills. They come and fertilize and do their thing. And I had a problem with my irrigation. It wouldn't turn on, and there's an app for it and everything. It wouldn't work. And and I know, the first world problems, I'm not trying to, but I'm trying to really talk about how bad it is to be a bad service provider. Uh, the name of their company, just one of the things says Premier. 
I can tell you this. They're anything but premier. And I'm, I'm getting ready to tell them that exact thing. I hammered them today on a phone call. And I always get voicemail. I never talk to anybody. I said, guys, I have called you three times about a simple problem. I am a good customer of yours. You guys are terrible at returning phone calls and giving me a heads up. I no longer want a phone call. I want a text telling me that you will acknowledge that, one, I'm your customer. Two, I need help. That's what a company is supposed to do. Yet today, you came to my house without me here, but that's fine, and fertilized my yard and left me a bill for $75, yet I've been complaining and asking you to help me because my yard is getting burned up, and you put more fertilizer on it today with it being burned up. So I've got a real problem. Your name, Premier, is not, uh, you are not living up to your name. So that's this week's Dumb is Real. Uh, I hope you guys have a good week. Stay out of the crazy. Rise above it. Um, I've been watching some Facebook feeds where blue collar is hot. The blue collar gold is working. Blue collar gold is real. Scale up to it. Uh, we've started our new HVAC division. We've been working on that every day, getting a lot of things in it lined up. We're also getting a lot of things. We're trying to find a, an entryway into the market once we do, which will be different than everybody else is doing, which is really the key because there's some really big HVAC companies in Nashville. So I can't compete with them on all that stuff, but I'm going to come in at a different angle, which is always, you know, what we always try to do in business. So wish me luck. I'll keep you updated as we go down that path. Have a good one, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Blue Collar Gold Podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes or any place that you listen to podcasts. More information is also available at markstoner.com.